You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua chapter 24, let's begin reading in verse 13. I'm going to read three verses together. This is God speaking to the people through Joshua as they've come into the land. He says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Did you know that the average American makes over 1,000 decisions or choices about life every day? And it's estimated that of those 1,000 decisions, 225 of them have to do with decisions over food alone. Now, I didn't really believe that until the other day. This is a true story. I was really hungry, and so I got in my car. I was here at the church. And I drove up to Highway 78 because that's where all of the eating establishments are. And I turned left and went towards Snowell. And, and, I, and I drove all the way down 78 through to 124. And, and I couldn't decide where to eat. And so I turned left on 124 because there were more places down there. I drove down 124. All of these choices... I got to the end, I turned around and came back, drove all the way back down to the church and never made a decision on where to eat. And then finally I said, this is, this is stupid, this is crazy. So I drove up to Chick-fil-A and I just had a Chick-fil-A sandwich. But I was just, I was overwhelmed. I had too many choices, I had so many choices I couldn't decide where to eat lunch. Now that is silly. But then I started thinking about it this morning. Think of all of the choices you made just to get here today. First of all, you made the choice to get out of bed. Some of you, that was a really hard choice. You probably hit your snooze button three or four times. And then there comes that time when you've got to decide what to wear to church. Now, I don't want to sound like a lady this morning, but when I went in the closet this morning, I, was trying, I knew I was teaching. I was trying to decide what to wear. And so the first decision was blue jeans or dress pants. And, I, and I, I just wasn't in the mood for blue jeans, so I said dress pants. Well, then I had two choices, because I only have two pair of dress pants, tan or gray. Well, that brought up another whole choice. What shoes am I going to wear? Now, I'm really sounding a little weird here. What shoes am I going to wear if I wear this pair or if I wear... And, and it ultimately came down to the shoes. It's all about the comfort, you know I mean? Which one was more comfortable? So that black shoes dictated the gray pants, which... Dic- then I had to decide what shirt to wear. Long sleeve, short sleeve, golf shirt, dress shirt... Just thinking about all this wears you out, doesn't it? We make a thousand of these every day. Well, I finally decided what to wear, and I showed up, and I'm here. And 
I even ate breakfast on the way and only had one choice. That was McDonald's because it was the only place open and I didn't have time for Waffle House. Fewer decisions. But guys, we make a lot of decisions every day. And you know what? This morning, I want to talk about one of the choices and one of the decisions that we need to make every day. And that is the decision of the choice. Who will we serve today? Now, I don't know that it's a conscious choice that we make, but it is one that we make every day. It's one that we should make. It's one that we should really think about. Now, I'm not talking about the decision to become a Christian. Most of us here today have made that decision. Some of us made that decision a long time ago. You made the choice. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to be a Christian. But do you realize that every day, even as a Christian, you make a decision whom you're going to serve that day? Whether you're going to serve the Lord or, or, or whether you're going to serve yourself. Whether you're going to serve the Lord or whether you're going to do what this old flesh wants to do. And boy, it's pretty strong in its decision-making choices. Whether we're going to do right and righteousness or whether we're going to follow sin, we have to choose. And Joshua here, as the children of Israel, as he addresses the children of Israel, he, he, he says in this passage, you've got to make a choice. Now remember, these were people who had come out of Egypt. They'd made the choice to come out of Egypt a long time ago. But now... That day, they had to make that choice again. Now, now, the Apostle Paul, in speaking about this time in the history of Israel, he makes an interesting statement about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. He says of, of, these, of these episodes, he says, All these things happened to them as examples for us, and they're written for our admonition. In other words, all of this period of history, all of these things that the children of Israel were going through, they were just examples to us, of, and, and we need to learn some spiritual lessons from what they went through. Now think about the journey, think about the spiritual journey that they went on, and you know what, it's a lot like the spiritual journey that we go on. Think about it. They started in Egypt, and of course, what is Egypt always a type of in the, in the Old Testament? It's a type of our life before we came to Christ. It's our life in the world. It's our life in sin when we're slaves and in bondage to sin. And of course, then they made the decision to come out of Egypt. God rescued them out of Egypt. And he did what? First thing, he took them through the Red Sea. And of course, after we make the decision to follow Christ, what is one of the first things that happened to us? Hopefully we get baptized and we go through the waters of baptism. And then the first thing they did was they came to Mount Sinai. What did they get at Mount Sinai? God gave them the law. In other words, the people came face to face with God's word. And isn't that what happens to us? We get saved. We go through baptism. We start coming to church and immediately we're confronted with God's word. And God begins to challenge us. He begins to challenge us to grow and to walk with him. We begin to learn more about God and what it means to, be a, to walk in holiness. Now, at this point, something happens to a lot of people that happened to them. They got stuck in the desert. Because as God began to challenge them with His Word, as God challenges you, you have some choices to make. Are you really going to continue to go and grow with God and follow Him and, and, and make the changes in your life that He wants to make and to walk by faith and, and to really trust Him? Or are we going to do like the, the people of Israel who on their way out of Egypt to the promised land, somewhere in between, they got lost in the wilderness. 
And for 40 years, for a generation, they wandered. Were they saved? Sure, they, 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 were, they knew the Lord. They'd come out of Egypt. They'd come through the Red Sea. But now they're just walking in disobedience. Lacking faith. You know, the, the New Testament calls it being a carnal Christian. A person who knows the truth, who's living, who knows the Lord, who's been saved, but they're walking in disobedience. They're walking as a lukewarm believer, stuck in the the desert, not really trusting the Lord. But finally, for most of us, we move from the desert into the promised land. Of course, the promised land, it's not a type of heaven. It's, it's, It's a picture of us walking by faith, really trusting the Lord, living in obedience to His Word. But even in the promised land, and this is what I want you to see, even in the promised land, they had to go in and they had to fight battles. And they had to win wars. And they had to battle over the enemies that were there in the land. And you know what, guys? As we begin to really walk by faith, what? We have to fight battles in our own lives. Battles over addiction, over the lust of our flesh, over the selfishness that just lives within us, over our bad habits that have developed in our past. And there we find ourselves, just like the children of Israel. Here at the end of that journey, they're in the land. The Bible says they were living in rest at this point. They had conquered the enemies who were in the land. They had occupied the land. And here at the end, Joshua, near the end of his life, he turns to the people. In verse 13, he says, I have given you a land which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Now, what, what is God telling them? Look, you've come into the promised land. You, you've entered in. But all of these blessings that are here in the land, did you build them? Did you plant them? No. They got them simply by going into the land that God gave them. Just trusting in His grace. And guys, this is true for all of us. When we come into the land and we really begin to walk by faith, we realize that God has just given us some blessings that are just here, not because we deserve them, but just because God wants to give them to us. Forgiveness. Do you remember remember what it was like when you first felt the forgiveness of God? And, And all those heavy burdens of sin just kind of fell off of you. Do you remember that? It was a free gift that God gave you. And then and then he made you righteous in Christ. Not because you were something good in and of yourself, but he just, he just said, hey, look, you trust Christ, therefore I'm looking at you like you've not sinned before. You're a new person in Christ. And then he set you free from the law and from the do's and don'ts. And he says, look, just walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us talents and abilities that we don't deserve. They're just grace gifts that he gives to us. And he says, look, just go live out these talents and abilities. And, and, and he gives us peace to, govern, to rule in our heart. And he gives us love for others. And then he, he puts us in the, the body of Christ and he gives us a place to belong. And all of these things he does. Because we were good people? No. Because we deserve them? Because we lived up to his expectations? No. Just because he loves us. And he just says, hey, here, Live in these houses you didn't build. Enjoy these fruits that you didn't grow, that you didn't plant. They're just yours. God has just been gracious to us, guys. And He blesses us with all of these things as we just live in the land. But, even in the land where we find rest, we have to realize the fight is not over. 
there is still danger that lurks all around us. Even in this life of obedience, in this life of victory, every day I have to make a choice. See, it was at the end of Joshua's life, at the end of this place of rest that the people had come to, that on that day Joshua turns to them and he says, choose today who you will serve. How many of you have known someone who, and I'm sure we all have, who for a long period of their life they were walking with the Lord, walking closely with the Lord and then we lost contact with them or, they, or they, we, we stopped seeing them at church. And then, and then we run into them a few weeks or months or even years later. And suddenly and we realize that their life has sort of gone off the rails spiritually. They've, they've just stopped walking with the Lord. They, you, they, they were so mature. They were so stable. They, were, they, were, they may have even been an example to you. Someone you looked up to. And now, all of a sudden, you run back into them and, and you realize they're not, they're not really following the Lord at all now. And you think, how could this happen to that person? Well, today, I want us to look at the answer to that question. How does a person go from walking tightly with God, from serving Him with their whole heart, to a place where they've walked away from Him? Oh, they're still maybe a Christian. They're still a believer. But they're not walking with the Lord. As a matter of fact, sin has maybe gotten a hold in their life. We find the answer here in verse 15. Let's look at it closely together. There Joshua says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now, isn't this a strange thought, a strange phrase that he says here? If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. Now, think about that for a minute. Wait a minute, Joshua. You're talking to God's people. You're talking to these people who came out of Egypt that made a choice. They're going to they're gonna leave Egypt. They're going to go through the Red Sea. They're going to they're gonna get your law, and they're going to follow you, and they're going to come into the promise. They're here in the promised land. Joshua, how can you say to these people, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord? How does it happen that someone could get to that place? Let me say to you, the answer is simple. It happens one day at the time and one choice at the time. It happens like this. One day, one choice and it begins to move their life away from God. Just small compromises. Things that seem unimportant. Things that the people around them don't even notice. But in their heart, they begin to make choices that are bad choices. Let me give you just a, a few examples. These are maybe personal examples, but I think they're examples that happen to all of us. Those TV shows that were once off limits. Well, now you find yourself starting to watch them. Because you got cable. And they're free. And it's easy. And nobody knows. I mean, you, you wait till after the kids go to bed or after your wife goes to bed or your husband. 
Or, or maybe there's those websites that once you avoided like the plague because you knew where, what they were contained, but, but now you're, you're finding them a little more acceptable and, and you're accessing them just out of curiosity. Or maybe there's compromises in your thought life where the, those, those selfish thoughts or those lustful thoughts that you once would immediately put out of your mind, now you, you're just starting to dwell on them a little longer. Or maybe it's compromises with friendships. You know, people that you knew weren't going to be a good influence on you, but, but you've started reaching out to them because you're a little bit lonely. And those friends down at church, they, they, they're not seeing things the way you see things anymore. Or maybe changes in your priority or changes in the way you're spending your time. Or maybe the way you've started thinking about your spouse has changed. And you've allowed yourself to begin to think about others. Or maybe your church attendance is starting to waver. You, you, it's just not that important to you anymore. You've got other things, that, other options. See, from the outside looking in, a person starts making these kind of choices and the people around them don't notice. They don't, they don't know. They don't, the person seems the same. But these small choices, these personal choices in a person's private world suddenly begins to change them. And then one day they wake up and serving God seems evil. In other words, it seems like a waste of time. It seems sort of foreign to them. Or it seems uncomfortable to them to serve the Lord. In other words, it's a choice you just don't want to make anymore. And how did you get there? Small choices. One day at the time, one choice at the time. Now, Joshua here in this verse mentions two major areas of danger where these choices can come from. Look at what he says. It's very interesting. He says the number one danger is serving the gods which your father served on the other side of the river. Now, think about what the other side of the river. What's he talking about? What was on the other side of the river? It was Egypt. It was their past. It was where, where, where they used to know and what they used to do and what, where they used to live before they came to know Christ. Guys, one of the biggest dangers for us, we could call them the demons of our past. They're one of the greatest dangers that every Christian face, faces. It's those sins and those addictions and those things that in our past we used to do. What is the gods of the other side of the river for you? you got to think back, don't you? What, what, what are the things that you used to serve before you came to know Christ? See, I believe we are most vulnerable to those things from our past. And let me tell you why. Because they're comfortable for us. They're easy for us. See, before I came to know Christ, I was never a drug addict and I was never an alcoholic. I never drank. I just didn't. It was never a big deal to me. And so for me now, the thought and the temptation of going out and getting drunk or doing drugs, it, it's, not a t it's not comfortable for me. It's weird for me. I mean, it doesn't even enter my mind. I don't think about it. But you know what? There are other things, things that I did practice and engage in before I came to know Christ that are very comfortable for me. And they're, 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 they're sort of like, do you, you have a blanket when you were a kid that you slept with? 
It was ratty. It was stinky. It had throw up on it. It slobber all over it. It was torn to pieces. But you know what? Every time you laid down, you wanted to have that blanket with you. That, that's the way the sin of our past is. It's like that blanket. It stinks. And it's dirty. And it's rotten. But it's comfortable. And we know it. And it's easy for us to slide back to it. Guys, these are the gods from the other side of the river. And they're easy for us to slide back into because they're comfortable for us. As a matter of fact, they even hold a little bit of nostalgia for us. We start thinking about the past and we kind of smile a little bit. God forgive us. Even when we share our testimony, sometimes we talk about it and we kind of smirk like, yeah, that's what I was. You know, it's kind of like, kind of like we're proud of it. Guys, we forget how dangerous the sins of our past are. And guys, they are still dangerous. There's an interesting proverb. It's kind of a gross proverb, but I really like it. It's Proverbs 26, verse 11. It says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Now get the imagery here. If you've had a dog, you've seen this. A dog eats something like he kills a rat or something and he eats it and he gets sick on it. So he goes out in the backyard and he vomits it up. And then he goes away. Am I being a little too graphic here? Okay. And then he goes away and he comes back and you see him a few minutes later and he's licking it up. Hey, he does. I've seen it happen. Trust me. I grew up with dogs. They do. Guys, this is the picture that the writer is trying to help us to see. That that's, this is... This is the image of our life. We, we, back in our past, we did things, and those things made us sick, and we forget how painful they were and how hurtful they were, and we vomited them up. And finally, we walked away from them, and then what? We find ourselves later being tempted to go back and lick them up or involve ourselves again in them. Why? Because they're comfortable. And because we forget just how dangerous they are. It's amazing how fondly people look back on things that almost destroyed their life. It is. A few years pass. Maybe 15, 20 years pass, and, and we look back to what it was like when we were teenagers. We do a lot of wild stuff, and we laugh, and we joke like it was fun, and it almost destroyed our life. Do you remember what the sins of your past are? Every day you have to make a choice and a decision to say no to the gods from the other side of the river. But notice he tells us about a second danger. He says, the second danger is the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. The second danger is the sins that lay in close proximity to us. In other words, the sins that are being practiced right around us. You know the Amorites are still here if you didn't realize that. Now they wear a different kind of clothing. But they're, they're still here. And they still worship their gods and they still practice their evil. And they're all around us. And you know what? One of the greatest dangers for us is the sin that's just in close proximity to us. You know, let's face it. A flirtatious 30-year-old pretty co-worker is a much bigger danger than a co-worker who reminds us of our grandmother or our grandfather. It's close by. Close proximity. If you struggle with alcohol, the greatest danger is what? It's that company Christmas party where you're invited and the booze are flowing freely and you're right there and it's right around you. Or if you struggle with lust, it's, it's that coworker who's constantly forwarding you those 
crass emails. They have the little link you click on it, take you to the pornography or some other weird thing. See, there's a lot of dangers right around us. What sins are being practiced in your land? In your life, right around you. What false gods are being worshipped there? It's important to learn to recognize them. And to recognize the danger that's right there. See, here's the problem. Let me give you an example from my own life. Several years ago, I've told you guys this before, but I started umpiring softball. It's just kind of a way to have some fun and stay close to the game after my kids grew up. And my whole intention when I started was just to umpire little kids. But I ended up having to umpire adults a lot in what you might call beer league softball. And that's no exaggeration. It's a bunch of crazy guys that half the time they're not all the way there when they're there. And you know what's very common in beer league softball? Profanity. Profanity like you would not believe. Now, I'm proud of Gwinnett County because their parks and recs, they have gotten really strict. And they, if you're an umpire in Gwinnett County and you hear profanity, buddy, you out of here. You throw them out. It's so much fun. You, get out of here. Yeah. You know, it's really, really a power trip, you know. Hey, God, judgment on you. Get out of here. No, just kidding. I don't really feel that. Well, I do feel that way sometimes, but... Uh, but anyway, you know, I, I'm thankful. But you know, there's a lot of leagues, even some church leagues, that don't have rules against profanity. And both men and women use profanity like it's their second language. I mean, I was amazed. At first, now here's the deal. At first, it repulsed me. I was like, oh, this is awful. I don't want to do this. Listen to the way these people talk all the time. They're like, ah. I hang out with church people. Only time I hear that is when they hit their finger with a nail or something. I mean, a hammer or something. But, you know, but, but here's what happened. Over time, I got used to it. It just became part of it. I just started not even noticing it. Until one day, I was driving home from a game. And I was just thinking, the Lord spoke to me and said, James, you know, it's kind of scary that you've gotten used to this. It doesn't bother you anymore. Now, not, not that I ever started using crass language, but, but what God was saying was, James, do you realize this is the first step when you just start accepting it as normal? And then I, hey, hey, he took me to the Scripture. I memorized a couple of verses. One of them was Ephesians 4.29. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that you may impart grace to the hearers. And I would quote this verse when I would hear somebody speaking profanity, and, and I would remind myself, this is not good. Guys, it's a real danger when we begin to ignore or accept the the sin that is in our land as normal. Be careful. And so there's these two danger zones that can draw me back. The sins from the other side of the river. In other words, the sins from my past. The sins that are in my land. The sins right around me. And when I begin to make compromises in these choices, I am, I am in a danger zone. And here's the funny thing. It, it, it starts out hard to make a wrong choice. Have you noticed that as a believer? It, when, you, when you first make a bad choice, it's hard the first time. But it gets easier and easier and easier. The more you compromise. It's almost like Satan says, just give me a little crack in the dam. Just a little crack where I can put a little water through. That's all I need. And eventually that water and the pressure of that water will 
burst the dam open. That's the way it is with choices in our lives. We give a little crack, we give a little inch, and, and, and the pressure that Satan applies, it just bursts it wide open. So, guys, do you recognize, do you remember, are you repulsed by the sins from your past and the sins that are in your land? Recognize them. Know they're there. Know they're dangerous. But then he ends by giving us four keys to continuing a healthy walk with the Lord. And here's what I really want us to focus on for just the last couple of minutes. Look at verse 14. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Now here Joshua gives us four keys to maintaining a healthy walk with God. The first one is to fear the Lord. And let me say to you, this is all but lost in the world today. And I'm ashamed to say, even in the church. Guys, for thousands of years, the question that most people asked in the back of their mind when they made decisions during the day were, can I please God by doing this? Or, or will God be pleased with me when I do this? Do you know that? For thousands of years, that was kind of the overriding question, the overarching question in most people's minds as they live their life. Why? Because, number one, they believed there was a God. Now, they didn't always believe in the right God, but they always believed there was a God, and they needed that God to be pleased with them. Why? Because most of them were farmers. And if it didn't rain, they didn't eat. They knew they needed God. And they believed, and, and again, not, I'm not saying their theology was all right, but they believed that they needed to please that God in order to have a blessed life. Now, about 100 years ago, the questions started changing. And it all started when, when the thoughts of evolution began to become popular. Because suddenly with Darwin and with evolution, what did we decide? We didn't really need God. As a matter of fact, there might not even be a God. We don't need God anymore. This whole place could have just been created out of nothing. And so where is God? So we kind of forgot about God. And a large portion of the world today has changed the question. It's no longer, how can I please God? But now the question is, what can I do today that will make me happy? What can, what can you do for me to make me happy, to please me? It even bleeds over into the church. We come, we come to the Scriptures, not, God, what do, you, what do you want to say? But, God, you know, what in there is going to make my life better? You know, God, what principles can you tell me that can make me for, have a better marriage or a better work or a better job? So we even approach the Scriptures that way. You know, I saw something interesting this past week at kids' camp. Now, I don't want you to overreact to what I'm about to say, but it was just a, it was a, something I noticed with the kids. They all had Bibles that mom and dad had given them to come to camp. And after we would do our sessions, we would get up and leave and we would go do some activities. And you know what I saw a lot of, a lot of times happen? Was a child would be standing there with their Bible and they would take their Bible and they would throw it over on the floor. Now, let me tell you what bothered me about that. Not that there was necessarily some grave sin being done, but it showed me that they had very little respect for this book right here. Guys, when I grew up, and I'm only a couple of generations removed from them, when I grew up, 
you wouldn't even set a cup of coffee on your Bible. You were, you were careful where you laid your Bible. Now, again, I don't, I don't want you to get hokey or weird on me here. It was just, the, the point I'm trying to make was, it, it reminded me of how with each passing generation, as we begin more and more to tell our kids, or that they're being influenced by, the, by this lack of a God, or that this God doesn't need to be feared and respected, that even His Word becomes very familiar to them, very casual to them. Something that just can be tossed aside on the floor. It's a symptom. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a symptom that we need to get back to reminding our children to fear the Lord. We, we've got to start with ourselves, though. That, that God needs to be feared. He needs to be respected. We need to be concerned with what He thinks and that He cares and what He cares about. The second thing He tells us is that we need to serve Him in sincerity and truth. This word sincerity, it means to, to completely or in, in entirety. In other words, it's the idea that we don't need to just serve God when, it, when it's going to profit us or look good for us to do it. We need to serve God all the time. We need to serve God in truth. In other words, my public life and my private life need to match up. I need to be the same person in both worlds. That's serving God in sincerity. Because see, when my private life doesn't match my public life, well, that tells me that there's a crack in the dam. That I've started making some choices that are wrong in the private world. And eventually the private world will bleed out to the public world. Number three, he tells them, he reminds them to put away the gods of the past. Guys, you cannot hold on to the sins of your past and move forward with God. You've got to choose. You've got to put that old blanket that seems so comfortable to you away. You've got to say goodbye to it. You've got to say, I'm not going there anymore. See, these people, they had to make a choice. And remember, they're in the land. They're in the land. They're at rest. And yet Joshua reminds them, guys, even today, you've got to choose to put this stuff that's in the past to keep it there. And for some of us, you know what that means? Stop looking back so nostalgically at your past. Remind yourself of how painful it was from time to time. Don't look at it with favorable eyes, but look at it with sadness in your heart. And that will keep it there. And then finally, he says, we have to choose every day to serve the Lord. He says in verse 15 there, he says, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every single day of our lives, guys, we have to make a choice. We have to take a stand for the Lord. We have to remember that we have enemies out there, the flesh, the world, Satan, and and they're all vying for our allegiance. And we have to choose every single day to say no to my flesh, to say no to what the world wants me to do, to say no to what our enemy wants us to do, and to serve the Lord. We have to make that choice every single day. Are you remembering that? Are you thinking about that? Did you think about that this morning? May that be the first thing that we think about when we get out of bed in the morning. God, today... I've got to make a choice to follow you closely. But not just that. But notice he says, not just 
I choose to serve the Lord. But he says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. In other words, are you being a leader with that choice? Are you choosing to lead the people around you? Are you coming to those around you and encouraging them and inspiring them and saying, hey, I'm going to follow the Lord. Will you follow with me? Husbands, are you saying that to your wife? Are you encouraging her? Hey, come and follow the Lord with me. Are you saying that to your children? Hey, come on, we're going to follow the Lord. Our family is going to follow the Lord. What about that coworker who you know is struggling in their walk with God? Have you come up beside them and say, hey, look, hey, I'm going to follow the Lord. Come follow the Lord with me. We'll do it together. Guys, we, we don't just want to choose to follow the Lord. We want to be leaders who help others follow God. Yes, it starts at home. As for me and my house. But then... It goes out from there. Joshua wasn't just a leader at home, but Joshua inspired a nation to choose who they would serve. And he lived it out before them. And they had no doubt who he was going to serve. Dads, do your kids have doubts? Mom, do your children not sure who we're serving today? Or have you made it clear in your home, hey, as for me and our house, we're going to serve God. Can you say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. May we make that choice today and every day moving forward. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor James Chapman. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor James' teaching ministry by visiting calvarycsm.org.